It is officially the 50th episode of Art of the Kickstart. It's been an absolutely crazy journey, guys. It's been awesome talking to all these great crowdfunding creators, innovators, people that are changing the world. And I'm so glad you've joined in on the journey. If you've enjoyed it, make sure you leave us a podcast review. And thanks so much. Let's jump into this interview now. Welcome to the theartofthekickstart.com, where entrepreneurs are constantly pushing the envelope to build businesses of greatness. Inventors are innovating and creating the products of the future. And backers stand strong for what they believe. These are some of the great thinkers, inventors, and leaders of our time. Here are their stories. Hey guys, one of the biggest challenges and questions that I've been getting quite a bit from inventors and innovators out there, and just things I've seen from over 50 plus podcast interviews, is some of the challenges that people have when they're launching their Kickstarter campaign. They want to know, do they have everything ready? Is there anything they missed? So I just put together a checklist, 23 steps to make sure your Kickstarter campaign is absolutely ready to dominate when you launch. You guys can get that for free by going to artofthekickstart.com slash checklist. Just signing up and hopefully that will help you launch your campaign hassle-free and just get it off the ground and running smooth. Hey guys, welcome to Art of the Kickstart. Today I'm extremely excited to have Luke Leafgreen, the guy who's trying to revolutionize corporate and worker health on the line, to talk about Stand Stand. It is just what it sounds like. Thank you so much for coming today, Luke. Really happy to be here, Matt. Thanks for having me. So Luke, we kick these interviews off with a success quote or a life quote. You got anything good? Well, <laughs> do what works. That's uh, something I'm always trying to figure out. And keeping my eyes open for what's working in my life, what's not working in my life, and then trying to fix it if it's not going right. How often do you go in? Let's do that before we get into your campaign. How often do you go in and evaluate your life, evaluate what you're doing? Because I feel like this is something that people, we fall into these ruts. We forget that there needs to be a bigger message or mission. I think it's kind of all along been something that I've been you know, noticing in my life. And I think other people notice it in me as well, that I'm not satisfied. You know, I'm kind of reflecting on what I'm doing, reflecting on what's going on around me. And I think it's a blessing and a curse sometimes because it can make you unhappy in ways or about things that you maybe don't have control over. And I think it can make you unhappy with situations that other people maybe are content with and trying to navigate that balance between recognizing what you can control, recognizing the pace at which you're able to change, recognizing the change that other people are comfortable with or not. That's one of the tricky parts about it. But for me, it's, you know, it makes life interesting to keep looking at it, keep looking at what you're doing from big things to little things. So I think that's part as well of what led me to the Kickstarter campaign and this product I've developed. So the product, Stand Stand, we were talking before before the show. You said you never wanted to be an entrepreneur. This idea just came to you and you wanted to bring it to the world. Share the story. Sure. So I'm sure like many of your listeners, I started seeing articles about three years ago describing the dangers of sitting, like long-term sitting has very negative consequences. I think back issues, hip issues, those are pretty intuitive. And I think people have known about that for a long time. But recently, the science has shown that sitting for a stretch, you know, sitting all day, especially, but even like sitting for an hour, your metabolism starts to change. And that has effects on your heart health, effects on your productivity. They even say it increases the odds of getting cancer in various ways. And so 
you know, it's kind of scary. And I have, you know, jerry-rigged some standing options at home. But within the past year, I started thinking how I would be staying at home to do my work rather than being out in my office, out in the dining hall where I interact with students. I'm an academic dean at a university, so that's where I'm supposed to be, um, out in the libraries, going to a cafe. And so I wanted to think, how could I stand up in these various locations? And one morning, um, as I say in my Kickstarter video, it really came to me while I was uh, doing just this meditation session that I should try building something. I could try building something that's as portable as a laptop, but then I could turn you know, a desk or a table into a standing desk. And so from that desire, I started, you know, the first shape that came to my mind was this little trapezoid thing. And I built one within a week and it collapsed to about the size of a laptop, a little bit bigger, and I could stand where I worked. Um, it had a few problems. It was a little bit wobbly. And, you know, in the design process, I figured out a way to brace it. And that made it really sturdy, but that added extra pieces, extra, extra hassle in putting it together. And at that point, I started reaching out to some friends to say, hey, I'm working on this. Do you have any ideas that could help me out? And one person said, you know, don't be thinking about triangles. You should be thinking about, sorry, don't be thinking about trapezoids. Start with a triangle. Because triangles provide stability in multiple directions. And so that led to a couple more prototypes. I liked one. I sent it to a friend. He had some really good suggestions. And then this summer, I went and worked. Uh, that friend owns a cabinetry business. And I went and worked in his shop for a week. And every day, I'd go in, work on one of the ideas I had, go home at night, think about it a little bit, see a problem, try to you know, solve that problem. And by the end of the week, I had something that was the basic, you know, a basic design of what ended up being the stand-stand. So it was kind of a ongoing process, but really driven by this desire to solve a problem that I had in my life. And at that point, you know, once I realized that I had something that I thought was pretty cool and really worked pretty well, there might be other people out there who would want this too. So I teamed up with that friend um, who has the cabinetry shop. I got my wife on board as well. She has an MBA and is interested in working with startups. That's something she's been looking for for a number of years now. And the three of us started thinking about how we could do this in a way that might actually work. Uh, my friend Paul has this business. Uh, they build some of the most beautiful kitchens available um, in northern Wisconsin. And so he's got really skilled workers. He's got a supply chain. He's got the factory. And that's where he started making some prototypes, making some samples, figuring out the process. And it's going to be a really great uh, opportunity, I think, both to build the relationships within our team and then also in a way that I don't know I could have done otherwise because I'm not really business-minded. Um, it just happens that the people I know already are able to help and chip in. One other example of that is that Lindsay's cousin designed a really great packaging for us. You can see it on our, our Kickstarter site. So reaching out to friends and combining their ideas and their support with my own drive to see this happen is how it all came about over these past six months. So you're working at Harvard and you decide to do this on the side. You're building a standing desk for people that work on their laptop for a living. This sounds perfect for students. When do you start showing this to other faculty members, other students, to start getting feedback on your designs to see if what you're building is actually something people would be willing to use? Well, when I first started mentioning the idea, students got excited. And it was actually a student who forwarded me the Kickstarter campaign. There was a, I think it was Stan Desk. They're now at standdesk.co, and they were advertising the, uh, the cheapest sit-to-stand automated standing desk, and it ended up doing phenomenally well. And that was part of what 
made me think that Kickstarter would be a good place to put this product out there, to get some feedback from people about what they liked, um, whether this is viable uh, in today's market. So I've started using it around campus and people really want to see it. They come up and they ask me about it and they see how it works. I'll hand it to them and they'll have fun putting it together. One thing I haven't done is bring it to some of the meetings uh, with my uh, colleagues in the administration to see actually how to break into that culture. That's a little bit trickier, balancing this side project with my relationships in the professional setting. I could see it working. I'm just uh, not yet sure how to get there. How do you deal with that? A lot of people have the same issues. They're building a business on the side, and it is possibly a mystery project. Their employer doesn't really know about it. When do you make that relevant? I was careful along the way, you know, from the start to talk to my supervisors, to let them know what I was doing and let them know my plan for not allowing Stan to cut into my, um, you know, the time I needed to be spending on my core duties for for my job at Harvard. And I found that they were really supportive um, for two reasons. One, there's among our students this desire to do interesting things, solve problems, make a difference in the world. And when they see uh, somebody, one of the administrators working with them, having that passion as well, it's, it's a win. It's, it's, it models this sort of behavior that these students are developing themselves. And they know about this passion I have for building things. They've known about it all along. They come over, they see some furniture that I've built. And so it kind of goes along with my personality. So I think they were on the whole excited for me as long as they knew that it wasn't going to be, you know, making me do spending, spending less time than I needed to be on my other work. So what's the next step for you? You're on Kickstarter now. You've raised a little over two-thirds of your goal. I see you guys funding. What happens next? When we get the funding, um, that's, you know, we're really excited to build these products and put them out in the world. And I can't wait for the day when I see a stranger, somebody I've never met before, using Stan Stand out in public. Uh, I, you know, this is going to be so awesome. But we're going to use that money for a few things. The, the main thing is that we want to invest in a CNC machine, the computer numeric control device that allows a computer to guide the router. So far, we've been making our prototypes using jigs and a hand router. But with a CNC machine, we're going to be able to two things, speed up the process, reduce the labor costs, make them absolutely precise and perfect, every one. And then it's also going to give us a chance to develop the product. Think of some more innovations. Um, you know, one thing I'd like to do is try adding on a platform for people who'd like to use a mouse. Yes, I was just thinking that. I think we could do that pretty easily with a fourth panel that locks in between the top panel and the base. So a CNC machine will allow us to do that innovation and experimentation a little bit faster and a little bit more precisely. So we're really excited about that. If, you know, one other goal is to uh, raise a little bit of money to have a marketing campaign and try to get this product beyond our immediate network and uh, try to develop some interest and see um, see how many other people would like this. And it, you know, if there is that desire out there, uh, we'll start selling on Amazon sometime in 2015. What have you been doing currently to get that marketing out there, the outreach, reaching out to newspapers, blogs, this, that, and the other? What have you guys been doing? I know you're busy as professor. That's right. It's a uh, it's a little bit tough. And ideally, this would have happened, you know, I would have launched the Kickstarter over the summer because those are the couple months when I really have some free time. Uh, but that's when we were doing our developing. That's when we were writing a business plan. And uh, that's when we were 
filing a provisional patent. Um, and it was only about a week before school started that we got it out there. But so far, uh, we've been um, you know, sending emails to all of our friends, um, letting them know about it, saying, hey, if you know somebody who talks about a standing desk all the time, pass on our link. Uh, we've set up a Facebook page. In this past week, we started reaching out to some bloggers, people who write on technology. I think there's a design component that's interesting to some people, so design bloggers, a few health bloggers as well, people writing about how they want to stand and how they're using cardboard boxes on their kitchen table. Uh, it's been fun to reach out to say, hey, I saw you use a cardboard box. Do you want to try a free sample of the sand stand? Uh, I'd be happy to send you one, just get your feedback with the hope that they'll like it, as I think they will, and that they'll tell some people about it. So that's where we are right now. Part of our strategy in the Kickstarter was that we went for a long campaign. We did as long as we could, provided that we thought we were sure we could send them out by mid-December so that people would get it by the holidays. So we didn't go um, as long as Kickstarter allowed, but we did go as long as we could and still meet our timeline, knowing that it was going to take us a little bit of time to ramp up and get the word out there about Stand Stand. I hear it's actually good that you didn't launch over the summer. Apparently, the press, they like to take their vacations, their holidays, and this, that, and the other, and you don't really get noticed too much if you launch over the over the summer for anybody out there thinking about it. That makes sense and uh, makes me think of another, you know, that sometimes you're good and sometimes you're lucky. In this case, I think we were a little bit lucky. One of the things that we thought we wanted to do probably would have been worse for us. So I think that's uh, true in many aspects in life that sometimes things are affecting your life, affecting the plan, your direction, um, and you don't always see them. But it, we're pretty happy with where we are now and we're optimistic about these next few weeks. Yeah, you definitely you do earn your luck. I want to jump into the launch round now. How's that sound, Luke? Sure. Welcome to the launch round, where we take our guests through a series of rapid-fire questions geared towards unlocking the inner inventor and entrepreneur in all of us. Get ready to blast off and unlock your inner potential. Let's do this. First question for you, Luke. What's more challenging, being an inventor or being a professor? Uh, being a professor. <laughs> Why is that? Oh, well... When you're inventing something, you're so passionate for it. And I think the passion of connecting, you know, seeing an idea, bringing it to light, and then connecting it with other people, that brings more energy than doing academic research, to be fully honest. No worries. I can completely <laughs> see that. Everyone here is nodding their heads. They understand. It's so much more fun to make That's something. Right. And speaking of making something, you're around tons of really aspiring people, Harvard students, college students, people that want to change the world. What are some of the more amazing things that you've seen coming out of your department or your university in the last couple of years? Yeah. Well, I was talking to, um, you know, last May or so, I just sit down with two random students in the dining hall and, you know, talk about their summer plans. And what do you know? They're doing a startup themselves and their startup is to create a web-based application that allows members of Congress to figure out who has influence in what areas, who's interested in what topics, and who owes whom a favor. And if you have a thousand issues, and they've literally broken down our national scene, our political scene, into a thousand different issues, and try to map every member of Congress to those issues and who their relationships are, so that if somebody in Congress wants to get something done, this software will let them know who they should go talk to. Maybe they can't get to uh, Senator Reid, but maybe they can get to somebody who can get to Senator Reid, and they all, between the three of them, have a shared interest. And, you know, this is an example of how, you know, when you sit down with these students, you, you never know what you're going to hear. And this is uh, not atypical, even though it is an impressive example of what Harvard students are up to. 
sounds like the pure evil of technology and politics <laughs> mixing together. Yeah. So this is art of the kickstart. Have there been any Kickstarter campaigns that have really motivated you, really got you going? You know, I mentioned the one about the standing desk, and that was an example uh, stand desk of how you know how far Kickstarter can go. But the first Kickstarter product that I ever heard about was my friend Joe Sandor's Kickstarter project, Captain Crep. Joe and I did French class together in high school. And he was always the most creative person. He was an artist. He did the yo-yo. He, um, you know, was the, always the center of the party. He had the energy that he brought to the table. And, you know, one aspect of this creativity was that he wanted to make a crepe pan, like a really high quality crepe pan, which isn't really available in the U.S. And so he bought his own CNC machine. He made a design. And then he launched on Kickstarter and raised $30,000, which I was just stunned by. I never knew you could do this with Kickstarter or, you know, with any kind of crowdfunding. I hadn't heard about it. Um, and then hearing his stories about casting by hand, these, you know, 115, I don't know if they were five or 10 pounds. These, I think it was more like five or seven, the, the crepe pans. He talked about, it was a little bit like Sisyphus rolling the, the stone up the hill constantly, but he was like always moving them back and forth and polishing them and sending them out. So that was you know, a great example of what Kickstarter can do and also a great, uh, great memory of, of my friend Joe. That is absolutely amazing, hand-casting your own products. He went on to design uh, pirate pancakes. So uh, I love it. Really, really fun. Really two of the uh, funnest or ab- the absolute most fun Kickstarter videos that I've seen. Those sound absolutely amazing. I will have to share those in the show notes. Next question for you, and it's going to be a tough one. What is the future of university and post-high school education in the country? It's getting out of control cost-wise. I see major issues coming. Can you comment? That's a big question. And I think so often in our lives, we're immersed in what we're doing on a day-to-day level that we don't often take a step back and think about this. You know, one thing that I'm seeing is this pressure to specialize, to professionalize, especially when the cost of education is getting so high. Um, you know, a lot of the students that I see at Harvard, you know, maybe a third of the students here concentrate or they focus on economics, thinking that that's what's going to get a job in the, in the world when they get out there and kind of repay the investment. And I'm sure this is being felt all across the, all across the country as business degrees and so on are uh, where people think they need to, need to invest. And I understand that motivation and at the same time, I'm, you know, I still really believe in the power of a liberal arts education and getting into, you know, spending a few years of your life studying ideas that you hadn't encountered beforehand, things that connect you with the past, with a different culture in another part of the world right now, and really grappling with what that means. And then talking about that with people who are different than you in the classroom, in your college community. And I think that, you know, those two factors really allow for personal growth and transformations. It sounds pretty idealistic, but based on what I've seen, I think that is worth the, you know, the, the investment that college is because you can't see down the road. You don't know where you're going to be 10, 15, 30 years from now. And that broadening that you have, the ability to combine those different perspectives and to relate to people who are different than you is going to allow you to take advantage of the opportunities First, it's going to make you aware of the opportunities and also be able to take advantage of opportunities that are coming by. So it is a scary time. I don't know exactly how it's all going to shape out, but you know, I still do have a, a belief in the system and 
conviction that we need to keep working on it and keep making it accessible for people who want to uh, take part in this. Let me play devil's advocate. What you're talking about, seeing people in different cultures, understanding more, trying to learn more about the world, couldn't a lot of this be achieved just through travel? What if you took some of the tens of thousands of dollars education costs and went to go explore the world, saw how that changed your life? Do you think it could have similar impacts to a liberal arts degree? Just food for thought? Absolutely. Um, you know, would I say forego college and spend that money on travel? I think that you can get a lot from traveling, from being abroad, from setting up a life in a place where every day it's like you're a kid experiencing the world for the first time because, you know, figuring out how to feed yourself, how to find your way around, how to communicate on the most basic level, that forces your brain to develop and grow in, in radical ways. So I do think that you can get a lot out of that. Um, there's the danger that uh, if you go and you don't have an openness to that culture, or if you don't have an openness to difference, if you don't know how to react to it and incorporate it into your life or else process it with relation to yourself and your own beliefs, I think there's a, there's a danger that you can go and see it as other, just see it as um, inferior or not really accepted for what it is. So I think traveling either by studying abroad or just by setting off, you know, going and living in another place and figuring out something to do while you're there is enormously valuable. And, you know, I'd recommend it for everybody. I don't think skipping college for the sake of travel would be my recommendation. Um, I, I think that you still get a lot through some formal education. And of course, the, the certification of a degree is helpful down the line. But, you know, I would say everybody who has the ability to travel should do it. And everybody, you know, finding a way to make it work is, is a wonderful idea. You got to do both. You got to have all the experiences. Yeah. And last question of the launch round. This will be an interesting one because you are a professor. What books, if any, have been amazingly influential in your life? Some of the most influential books, you know, growing up, like the three things I read the most were, you know, the Bible from my religious background. You know, even though my beliefs about the world and religion have changed, that foundation and studying gave me a jump into the literature studies that I came to later. Uh, it was amazing how that literacy of the Bible and fluency with that historical religious tradition allowed me to take advantage of the educational opportunities that came later. So that was, I guess, influential in one way. The book that I've read most recently that struck me uh, was Rain Tree County. Not many people know about it. I heard about it first on Slate. Somebody was saying this should be the great American novel, but nobody knows about it. Uh, it's about 1,200 pages long, written in the 1940s, and it was the only book the author wrote. He died right after writing it. Um, but it's, it's all about understanding oneself in the history of our context. Um, and so, you know, it's a person looking back over his life in the 19th century, just beautifully written, very calm, you know, just poetic, even though it's poetic for 1,200 pages. But... Uh, <laughs> So it's, it's, it actually took me a year and a half to read, but I was just mulling it over. But that's, that's one that I would recommend that uh, if people want to give a shot or something that maybe they haven't heard of, but is pretty powerful. It's a good one. That's awesome. I hadn't heard of that, but I think that's a cool recommendation for people. You got to see where you fit in. Right. Yeah. And last question. We're jumping out of the launch round now. Back to you. Before I let you wrap up here, before you get back to your Sunday, one piece of advice for entrepreneurs, inventors, people that want to do something amazing. If you could just don't tell them one thing. What would you tell them? I think maintaining relationships uh, is 
the recommendation that I would give, you know, the top recommendation I would have, you know, you've got a passion for an idea that, you know, you might be doing it because if you don't do it, it's just eating you up inside. You're not going to be happy until you try to bring this idea into the world. Uh, But at the same time, while you're pursuing that, you've got to maintain and build relationships with other people because that, you know, whatever happens to your product, you need to keep those friendships, keep those relationships going. Plus, the people around you are the ones who are going to have ideas. They're going to help you see things from a new perspective and help you achieve your idea with both with short-term help and, and in the long run. So balance your passion for creation with keeping close the people who are most important to you. That's the hardest part. You got to have a balanced life to survive, to, to really be happy and thrive. Thank you so much for coming on today, Luke. You've been an awesome guest. Now I got to give you a chance. Pitch your product. Pitch Stand Stand. Why should people check out your Kickstarter campaign? Why are you doing amazing things? Thanks so much, Matt. It's been great to be here. And I'm you know, really passionate about standing desks in general. And Stand Stand is, I think, unique on the market. There's nothing out there that you can take with you and carry as easy as you carry your laptop. Anywhere you go, any cafe, while you're traveling, at home, back to the office, you can use your laptop and any desk or table and just stand while you do your work. And I think it's going to make you more productive. I think it's going to make you healthier in the long run. And, you know, it's, uh, it's worth a shot. Thank you so much for coming on, Luke. I love the product. I love what you're doing. For anyone that's never tried it, standing desks are crazy. I'll do it from time to time. And it's just the weirdest feeling when you turn to grab the phone. You don't have to stand up. And you feel so much better. It's tough to do at first, but it's definitely beneficial for your health. Thanks so much for coming on today, guys. Thanks so much, Luke. Check out his campaign. He's an awesome guy. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Art of the Kickstart, where we believe makers, inventors, and entrepreneurs are changing the world and bringing humanity forward into the future. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and it's been a pleasure guiding you through this journey of creation and innovation. I hope you're inspired by this and check out artofthekickstart.com to get more information and tactics to help you launch your own business, product, and dreams.